0: Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is February the 5th, 2020. This is episode 24. 596 of the survival podcast and i'm bringing back on a guest we had on a while ago i think we've actually had brian on twice before uh, both times really talking mostly about the cannabis market one way or another and uh it's because he has a lot of experience in it. his experience goes back to being a medical caregiver in the early days of cannabis legalization in washington state but he has a lot of other experience experience in the world of coffee as well he's an msb vendor for us he does a discount on uh, his coffee sold through uh, his organization called Food Forest Farms. Uh, it does include an option for CBD-infused coffee, and he's got some other CBD products now as well uh, that he's extended the discount to you guys on. Uh, that said, he also just makes really great coffee, no CBD included. He's got a lot of experience there. And he's going to talk to us about those things today, but a lot more than that. Really, this today, today is a show about lifestyle freedom. That's what this show is really all about, developing that side hustle ethic driven life where you're able to earn a living the way that you want to on your terms instead of working for somebody else. Or if you do have a job but you really have a dream and you want a secondary income source so that you can achieve that dream – different ways to do that. We're going to talk about a ton of stuff today. I definitely learned some things during this discussion uh, about opportunities I didn't know. I mean, we're going to talk about secondary income sources I do know about, like Airbnb and Airbnb experiences. Um, also, DoorDash. Uh, Brian will often make an extra 150 bucks on any given day just with a DoorDash app in the back doing deliveries. Uh, Amazon Deliveries, another one of the things that you can make some money on. Uh, and I knew about all those. But what about HipCamp? What what the hell is hip camp? What about backyard products? What is that? There's a ton of ways out there that you can make a living for yourself. Brian also does it, basically shepherding companies that are new to the trade show scene through trade shows. I mean, there's just so much opportunity in the world today, and we're going to have a discussion about how much opportunity there really is. It does kind of drive me crazy when I hear people whine about the lack of opportunity today because there's honestly never been a time in history, and in my opinion, honestly, there's never been a time where there's been more opportunity for the motivated person to have success in their life than there is right now. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is BulkAmmo.com Real simple, you have a gun, you have no ammo, you have an expensive club or you have something you can sell, a a pawn store uh, item Uh, maybe you have something you can use to prop a door open a gun without ammo cannot do what a gun is supposed to do So you need ammo, you need lots of it, and one box ain't going to get it done. So you want to buy your ammo in bulk. And you don't want to deal with stupid people at the department or the sporting goods store when you're trying to buy ammunition and they start asking you dumb questions and they don't have what you're really looking for. and ah, You know how it is. With bulk ammo, you order your ammo within a day or two, it's at your front door. It's so fast you'll think you got it from Amazon. You can't order from Amazon, but you can get Amazon-like delivery from Bulk Ammo. That's just how good they are at what they do and great pricing to boot. Long-term sponsor of the show. Been with us about eight years now. Check them out today, BulkAmmo.com. Next up, how about precious metals like gold and silver? I have made the same recommendations For 12 years now on air, and I'll tell you the truth is I've made that recommendation to friends and family and associates for uh, many years before I started the show. About 5% of your net wealth up to about 10% of your net wealth in silver and gold. I believe when you do that, you mitigate uh, the potential for complete disaster if the economy melts down. That's one reason that I recommend that. But you're talking about something with a multi-thousand-year history of holding value that's always been usable as money uh, for as long as humans have known that it's existed, silver and gold has been able to do that. The reason you can do that with silver and gold is because a silver ounce coin is a silver ounce coin is a silver ounce coin. That's the whole point, especially if it's something like an American silver eagle. It's the same. It doesn't matter. It's like if you buy a Wilson basketball from Amazon, from Kmart, or from Walmart, it doesn't matter. It's still a Wilson basketball. That's how silver and gold work, and that's more true of a silver coin than it is of a Wilson basketball. But so what that means is there's no reason to pay too much for it. There's no reason to pay for shipping if you don't have to, and there's no reason to buy from somebody that doesn't support the show. So you want Jam Bullion? They got the best pricing. They got an incredible selection. All their orders ship free. They've been supporting this show for about eight, nine years. You know, now going on that, something like that. And I can talk to the owner if there's ever an issue. So check them out today, BulkAmmo.com and jambullion.com. Also, both do discounts for members of the MSB, so remember that. Before I bring Brian on, let's talk about our quote of the day. I wanted something on opportunity today. And I, had, uh, unlike some days, I hadn't done the intro um, before I had my conversation with Brian. Sometimes I can do them before, sometimes I do them after. It just determines how the, the day worked out. So I had time to actually... Have the conversation and think about this one inside. Yeah, I want to make sure I do a quote about opportunity for today's show. I found one by Wayne Dyer. He was just a great author, uh, before he passed away anyway. Passed away at like 75. Had a good, long, very productive, very impactful life. And this is what he said about opportunity. There is no scarcity of opportunity to make a living at what you love. There is only a scarcity of resolve to make it happen. And, I mean i tell you what, I actually feel for people, not due to a lack of opportunity, but I feel for people due to a lack of their ability to see that it's there. I grew up and came up through life wanting things for myself so much. I was so hungry. If there was a door in the way and I needed to get through it and I couldn't open it, I took the hinges off. I mean, I actually had one of my headhunters who was a headhunter that placed me into a fairly high corporate position basically describe me that way to a potential – to somebody he actually ended up placing me with. It's like, that's why – why should I hire – well give me, give me the short answer why should we hire this guy. Because if there's a door in the way and you need to get into an account, he'll take the hinges off the door if the door won't open. And I, I grew up with that just in me. It's just who I was, the drive that I had. And I've learned over the years I can't give people that drive. But at least I can show it to you, and I can expose you to it, and I can make you realize if you want it, it's there if you'll dig deep and find it. I agree with Dr. Wayne Dwyer. There is no scarcity of opportunity today. None. And there's not just no scarcity of opportunity in general. There's no scarcity of the opportunity to live life on your terms, your way. The only scarcity that exists today, especially in America is the scarcity of the individual's resolve to make it frickin' happen and waiting for someone to bring it to you. The type of things we're going to talk about today, no one will bring them to you on a plate and give them to you. But you can go frickin' get them if you want to. With that, let me introduce our special guest today. We're going to start out with a conversation on the cannabis market in general, and then we're going to move on to a lot of these other opportunities that are out there. With that, hey Brian man, welcome to The Survival Podcast. Hey, thanks Jack. Doing great in rainy Washington. Rainy Washington. It's rainy. It's rainy Texas, except there's like sleet and ice and all kinds of like northeastern crap I tried to get away from mixed in with it today. I I don't like this. I don't understand. But <laughs>
1: uh, we, we had our first day of sun since November yesterday.
0: Oh, see, that's why I don't live up there. Hey, yeah, you, <laughs> we go like four days without sun down here. I'm ready to kill myself. Anyway, on a happier note, man, we're, we're going to have you come on with kind of a uh, an update on stuff you're doing with Food Forest Farms. We're going to talk about the cannabis market. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff today. Before we get into that, though, for people that maybe have not heard from you before, uh, I have had you on before, um, and uh, you are one of our discount uh, supporters with the MSB with uh, Food Forest Farms. But kind of give people like your background, like who the heck is Brian Norton, man?
1: Oh yeah, hey, and I wanted to say thank you for uh, that little uh, that little spiel you did the other day on the monsoon Malabar. You got the story of the wooden boat traffic exactly right.
0: <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It is. Uh, it reminds me of something else in the coffee industry. They, call, I think they call it a honey roast or something like that. It has nothing to do with honey, but it's it reduces the acid. It was a really, really good coffee. Oh, yeah, okay. You're
1: up the exact alley. It's called a honey process, and it's a micro-lot batch fermentation, and okay. it cannot be duplicated. That's why those batches are up to $100 a pound because gotcha. you can make the batch, right? But no batch will ever be the same because it is dependent on atmospheric conditions of when that batch was sent through the honey process. Gotcha. So, yeah, is my new favorite coffees are those kind of coffees. But, okay, I'll back all the way up. Uh, graduated Michigan State, BA pre-law, business administration, uh, went to Chicago, got a job selling kosher uh, meat downtown Chicago. So selling ice to Eskimos, uh, really old established industry. Um cut my teeth as a salesman, learned about grocery industry from the ground up. Uh, Sarah Lee bought us, got the hell out of there, didn't want to work for a Fortune 500. Um, Ran in restaurants for 10 years, uh, decided I wanted to get back into sales, went all the way back to the very bottom, became a street-level rep for uh, Snap Into a Slim Jim Goodmark Foods out of Raleigh. Um, Basically helped introduce the Northwest to Meat Sticks. Uh, They had had some local companies up here, but Good mark hadn't gotten up here. So I've got to start at the bottom, work my way up to regional, hire a whole sales force, train them, got transferred, went and fixed a bunch of parts of the other parts of the country. Um, Love sales, but I started getting up too high and they started giving me people. (laughs) Um, That never works out really well. So, uh, quit that, found another family company that was in the coffee business. Um, They'd gone through about fifty million, we're on their way to three hundred at a pretty good clip. They needed somebody who knew convenience stores inside and out, and that was me at the time. So uh took over that division forum. Uh it was pretty much funny though, same thing. Two, three years later, just kicking ass, taking names, took our little coffee brand to 40 new states, um, and then started giving me people, had me build start building a sales force again, and I just hate the people part of it. So (laughs) Oh, fuck. Uh, So uh, I had to, uh, I had to, well, so then I got myself named director of new business development. So I could just go out and hunt whales. Um, ended up getting embassy suites to switch their coffee globally on planet earth to a rainforest certified French roast that I helped develop with their chef team. Um, and then, uh, we were about to get taken over by a giant Japanese conglomerate that didn't really give a crap about the coffee business. They just wanted the markets we were in. Um, So I got out of there, took a job that I knew I was going to do at about 10% effort level for two years while I worked on setting up the farm. So that's, uh, that's called the Norton exit plan. So do a job way below what you're, what you can do for a while for the huge, you know, nice cash income from it and just put every waking minute of your time into your side project. And then you can make a transition, hopefully with a tiny little bit of a safety net.
0: Got you, man. So, I mean, one thing that you have a lot of insight into is the cannabis market. I know you worked in that market all the way back into kind of the days when it was only uh, legal for medical use in your state. Um, You wanted to kind of fill us in on some of the big things that have happened in that marketplace in the last year. So why don't you go ahead and do that, lead off.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, in Washington, uh, it was only legal medically. For a long time, God, 15 years probably, Um, and a couple years back, it flipped and it became recreational slash medical. Um, So they had to make all the products now uh, basically safe for the tourists getting off the plane from Wisconsin. So you've got products in the stores. Like all the edibles now uh, have a maximum 10 milligram THC dose. So they've dumbed them down so that the flyby tourist uh, people don't hurt themselves. But at the same time, they've made them completely useless for medical use because the people that are, you know, have bone cancer and need a couple hundred milligrams of THC for pain relief don't want to eat 10 or 20 cookies, you know? So. They basically, they hurt the people that they were trying to help the most because it became a state industry and it became about tax revenue. And, you know, the people that were actually doing it for helping people kind of got pushed to the wayside. Um, let's see. And then uh, and then this March, um, the Fed signed the uh, federal hemp bill, Um which made hemp legal in the US and all fifty states, uh I think that was like March nineteenth. Um it was is interesting. It was so late in the year some state legislatures acted on it and some state legislatures didn't. Washington didn't. They kept their pilot program for hemp in place. Um which means we don't have a huge oversupply in this state right now. But for instance, Oregon flipped uh you know, they went with the, the federal regs full on and basically they didn't do a like a lottery permit for the hemp permits. It was basically you pay X dollars across a graph and you get Y acres under production at a ridiculous rate because the state of Oregon took, they just wanted all the permit money. Um, so they oversold the hell out of it. Um, I want to say at the end of last year, there was 990,000 pounds of actual marijuana that they had in warehouses on the books um, that was oversupply. That that doesn't even consider the hemp that was coming off the end of the run. I mean, you're talking, oh my gosh, just hundreds of millions of pounds that were basically uh, rotting in fields all through Oregon. Um, rain came early. A lot of the hemp farmers that jumped to get into it didn't have a plan for drying, processing, curing, uh, getting it downstream into oils or into isolates. And a lot of those guys just lost their ass. It, uh, it was a huge learning curve last year. Um, so we went to the, uh, I was thinking of starting a hemp farm up this year as Washington's getting their rules in place now. Um, met with the state ag guy, went to the big hemp conference up here, but it, uh, it, it's, the oversupply is so big. Uh, basically, the, the, they sell biomass for hemp. Um, it, that's what goes to the refiners for them to do their, their extraction or refining work. The price collapsed below $5 a pound. Um, uh, like Tennessee, Colorado, places that have decent corn infrastructure, those guys have all figured out that the equipment works pretty well for industrial hemp planting, you know, planting it in rows, growing it tall, using lots of fertilizer, yada, yada. Um, So the price got below $5 a pound. Tennessee guys walked away from their auction and just burned their shit instead of taking nothing for it. So now you're in this whole uh, middle time of, you know, it was way oversupply. There wasn't enough refining capacity. Um, Basically, well, for the food products, we were buying Isolate last year for about $10,000 a kilo. Uh, this year, it's around 2000 So even in the secondary market for products, there's there's so much oversupply. There's just total price collapse.
0: Yeah, I, I said uh, when all of this started that what I saw coming was boom, glut, bust. And that seems like where we're at.
1: Yeah, it's, you, you called it exactly right. It, it's, it's the startup of a new industry. Um, and it's basically, uh, after doing our due diligence on the hemp farm, we decided the only strategic play that would be safe enough right now would be, uh, um, you know, like selling blue jeans to the miners and the pickaxes. Um, so if we do anything, we're going to do a drying curing facility. I've already talked to a couple people that grew a bunch last year and couldn't Do anything with it because they didn't dry it properly, so it smells like hay. So now it has to go to the bio, the bio slash market, which basically is no cash at all. Um, so if, if we get into it at all, probably not this year, maybe next year, um, it'll be some type of drying slash processing facility. Um, there's just so much risk on the, on the farming end of it for, you know, who knows? And as every state starts to get their rules in place, now you're talking, yeah, oh, well, it will be interesting to see if people learn their lessons last year or, uh, or if the oversupply goes one more year. But I think people that finance projects saw the writing on the wall and, and the funny money will at least slow down to a trickle.
0: You know, for years, um, Advocates of hemp legalization, and and many of many, I should say us, because that would include me. Um, but I'm really not included in the group I'm about to uh, call out a little bit. Many of the industrial hemp type advocates really were, I like, guess I am included in this, except I wasn't. I wasn't dishonest about it. Really, were advocating for just cannabis. Period. Um, right. And. One of the ways they, and I think maybe there's a disservice here, or maybe it's underutilized, I'm not sure, but one of the things they did is I feel like they, we, we almost really over promised on what hemp could do. You know, it was gonna replace gas, it's gonna replace plastic, it's gonna, like, how much of that's real? Like, I know we can make hemp plastic, but is it really viable? compared to petroleum-produced plastic from an economic sense and some of the other things that were claimed we were going to do, build houses out of hemp, et cetera? Um,
1: I met some hempcrete guys at the Washington Expo. Um, I think all of that is 100% going to happen. Okay. Um, I think the farmers got out ahead of all the infrastructure by so far. Okay. Um, the hempcrete guys were basically like they can get all the – it's different parts of the plant, right? Um, the, the long fibers in the stock are what the hemp creek guys use. Um, there's different parts. There's an the internal squishy part of the stock. I think that's what the plastic guys want. So the problem is the facilities don't exist yet to take all those parts apart, conglomerate them in large enough quantities for industrial users to, to move forward with. Um, so I, I think that will all happen, uh, because, I mean it's a it's a huge bioremediation crop um there were a lot of like old school real farmers at the show um and they're looking at even using it as an in and out crop to pull the heavy metals out of their fields um but at the same time well and that uh, we'll get down to why I changed this the CBD in my products that I changed but they're starting to do heavy metals testing now um and if it's going now that it's uh, now that it's USDA certified it in order to be used in human consumption. So in a food product, it has to be safe for human consumption. So now they're writing all the rules. So now they're starting to test for the other stuff, which means you're going to have two streams, a stream that can be used um, downstream for human use and a stream that can be used downstream
0: for other products. Gotcha, man. So, um, when we uh When we look out at the market, you're still kind of trucking along, but you're doing things a little bit differently. One of the things you have been doing is uh, c b d infused products and, and before we get into some of the things you're doing with that and you mentioned changing some things, I want to hear about that too. but my question for you is this, and I know you're you're speculating just like I would on this, but just you have a yeah. kind of a different perspective. We now have a situation where c b d and anything with THC under like 0.3% or whatever it is, is legal in the country. We still have people who are at risk of losing their jobs due to a drug test for trace amounts of THC while consuming a product that is completely and totally legal and incapable of creating any sense of intoxication whatsoever. Is there some point where the government (laughs) has to freaking deal with that and say you can't do this anymore? I, well, each
1: state is, uh, is, well, I, I would love to see the feds out of everything. Um, and states rights should be a thing. So Oregon has passed a law basically that puts cannabis exactly on equal footing with, with alcohol. So if you have a company policy about not being drunk on the job, you can have one about not being high on the job. You know, you can't, you can't test people for weekend pot use the same as you can't test them for. Friday night beer use on Monday morning. Gotcha. So it, it, the state saw the issue and put the protections into place because down there the citizens have a way to petition for putting stuff on the ballot pretty easily. Well, just like how their how magic mushrooms are going to be next. I mean, the the evidence of their their use and support is going along. You know, we're at the exact same point with psilocybin as where we were with cannabis ten years ago.
0: Gotcha. I didn't know about that with Vermont. So that's kind of state by state. What about things like federal employers? Because a federal employer said we give a shit not for your state law because we're a federal government employer.
1: Um, Yeah, and I think there's so many. And there's not. I mean, if you take money from the feds for a project, you fall under all those federal randomized drug testing rules and all. You know, even though you're you know making widgets in a factory and you do nothing unsafe all day long you're still under the rules so i i I think it's gonna take well i mean what was the last uh the last one about cannabis use i think was u.s population study said like 90 percent should be legal at some point the i you know maybe it takes hr managers uh screaming to their ceos that you know they they, they've had openings in their forklift division for Mm. six months being because they can't get anybody to do that job at that price.
0: Yeah. I think that we, they, something has to be done. And I think at some point you're going to end up with, if it doesn't massive lawsuits, because well, class, class action, right? I mean, yeah, it's, if
1: you look, uh, if you, if you do a Craigslist search right now in Seattle for a CDL job, okay, there's 1600 openings Ugh. because nobody wants to piss in a cup. It's, uh, you know, it, it just, so no, it, no matter how much they're paying, I mean, they're up to a hundred thousand plus for running local routes right now. And they still, there's 1600 openings this morning because it's, you know, what are you going to do?
0: Cause there's a certain number of people that are like, yeah, I have no problem passing that and want to do that job. Okay. So they're doing that job and then right. you still got to find more people that want to do that job that can pass your test. And you don't have them. And I, I don't think anybody really thinks, I mean, you and I don't think that some guy should be baked off his ass on like some, you know, third degree freaking white strain or something, you know, blowing down the road behind the wheel of a giant truck. But yeah. this concept, like, we don't tell truck drivers, well, on Saturday when you're home and you're not going back on the road till Tuesday, you can't have beer. We don't do that. But yeah, apparently definitely. we do that with marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it, because stigma.
1: Yeah, it's well, uh, you know, the the anti-drug crusaders had a lot of money to spend and a lot of time to indoctrinate people. You're talking what fifteen thousand hours of, yeah. of government school education.
0: Yeah, yeah, all the way back to you know when you and I were in grade school and the the Reagan war on drugs and just say no and all of it. I mean, uh, there's a lot of programming there, and um, I I've been always saying that it is like the the alcohol, the drug, and the jail lobbies that are the biggest uh, impediments to full legalization. And guess who's joined? I guess they fall under the pharmaceutical, but fentanyl. Fentanyl manufacturers now have a massive lobby to block the legalization of cannabis. And if that doesn't say everything you need to know. (laughs) <laughs> then then I can't the government programming worked too well and I can't help you. I'm you know you're stuck. Now you've been doing some new stuff with some infused products. Some of the stuff you sent me, pretty cool stuff. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um so now that there is and so just because we're
0: going back and forth before you do that, I want to oh, be clear. Yeah. Brian's products are C B D infused, not THC infused, yet anyway. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> I don't play in the I don't play in the in the cannabis game. I'm only only in the hemp game. Um, I didn't want to be an agent of the state. If you're going to sell cannabis out here, you basically there's only <laughs> there is only one supplier that is the state of Washington, Got and you. I didn't want to help. It's to like put alcohol money in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was, the funny thing was I should say it's like liquor
0: and it it's like liquor in Pennsylvania is what I should say.
1: Well, we had a vote out here because the state had a monopoly on booze. And uh, in the exact same election where the voters ended the state monopoly on alcohol, uh, in the very same vote, they started up the cannabis board. Huh. So all the people that had the fancy offices in the million-dollar buildings downtown – well, from they took the signs down on Monday morning from alcohol board and put up the cannabis board signs. So they got all their enforcement agents, they got all their toys, all their stuff stayed exactly the same because now they had a new thing to regulate. So, <laughs> gotcha. maybe we'll another 20 years of state out here. We'll do another uh, revolt and take it away from them. But so yeah, um, basically uh, wanted to stay on the legal side and still. That was the thing from working with the medical patients. There's all the, you know, we don't have data, we don't have data, but seeing people live every day living better lives because they're not taking a bunch of pharmaceuticals that make them into zombies and can stay functional using cannabis versus having to just, you know, nuke themselves out of their pain and become completely non-functional, that's pretty much what got me into it and drives, drives it every day. So, uh, so yeah, so we are, so we are on the hemp side, um, and and originally there weren't rules. So we were using, uh, CBD isolates in our coffee. Um, now that there are rules for human consumption and for use in foods, we've, uh, we've had to take production of those items out of Washington state. Um, our legislature is still behind the curveball. So. We worked with one of our partners we were supplying coffee to who became, uh, hemp certified and USDA certified for hemp food production. So if you notice the labels change now. So like now on our labels, there's, uh, the 21 and under warning. There's all the federal warnings, lactating women, keep away from children. Um, there's, uh, QWERTY codes on all the labels now that take you back to the COA, which is a certificate of analysis for the CBD so that you can see what you're getting. Um, And in that process, we moved away from an isolate and we moved to a a distillation or we moved to an extraction. Um, It's an organic uh, CBD product, but it does have um, 0.18% THC in it. So it's about half the legal limit.
2: Okay.
1: um, But it's there. So full disclosure, the coffees are going forward, uh, with the new stickers. If you get a bag with the new corgi code on it that takes you to the COA, you'll see that there's 0.00185, um, THC in it. It's, it's a, uh, it's just the company that we're working with to do the product uses the organic CBD and that's, it's a, they think it's a cleaner product. It's not worth arguing about.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um you want to talk a little bit about the, the products themselves, like the the stuff you're actually doing. Like you, you oh, said yeah. you sent me a cookie yeah. that completely nuked my freaking keto diet, um but it was <laughs> good. Uh and some candies and stuff like that. And why would a person want to use a edible CBD? I mean I think people completely understand special brownies. Like that's not a yeah. hard thing to yeah. grasp. But <laughs> why would somebody want to use an edible C B D?
1: Um okay, for uh for dosing? It's a, it's a, uh, the candies, uh, so, and by moving the production to, to an approved facility, I had to cut down my thousand flavors down to like view management, right? Cause I've got shelf space issues and all that crap now. So we went with apple, uh, root beer and, uh, God, what's my third flavor? Um, uh, let's see. Oh, lemon. Um, so those are all 20 milligrams per piece of candy of CBD. Um, naturopaths that I work with that's usually their prescribing dose is either 10 or 20 milligrams um, a lot of people didn't want to have to use the coffee because they wanted to take it later in the day uh, for like a bedtime thing with sleep issues um, even though taking it earlier in the day really isn't going to change things too much um, taking a larger dose right before bed definitely makes you so relaxed and I was just reading, a, or it was just a study out, oh, where yeah, I had it sitting here. Um, it, it helps with sleep in two ways. It helps put you to sleep faster, and it helps you not wake up during the middle of the night. It makes you sleep deeper. Um, so that's how people are getting, so putting it in the candies and the cookies um, allows people to have a known dose, and the cookies are really easy for cutting up. It's 20 milligrams of cookie, you can cut them into halves or quarters um just it's easier to take around you know it's you don't have to prepare it uh if you're going on vacation it's easy to chuck a couple of things in the suitcase with you um since it's all hemp derived CBD it's legal in all 50 states you can fly with it you can take it wherever um shoot <laughs> you can even take it out of the country I'm pretty certain but don't if you're going out of the country with it maybe double check but yeah because
0: it's less what we can let you do and more what they'll let you do when you get where you're going.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. A lot of the C B D bud uh is being shipped out of the US. Um, wow. a lot of Spain, uh, Sweden,
0: Norway. Is that it's kinda like is it, is it kinda like because of the same reason we used to import so much hemp seed, like food hemp seed from Canada, like it's legal to have it but not to grow it? Is that why, or are they just not caught up?
1: <laughs> no, I think as far as hemp. Uh, the CBD hemp buds, mm-hmm. um, I think we in the Northwest are so good at growing great weed. Okay. Um, the people that are buying CBD hemp buds want it to look like a real nug of frostiness and yeah. they want it to smell like it and taste like it. Um, and I mean, we taught the world how to do hydro. So it's... It, they're they're importing it as a like like we would import a nice French wine because of your champagne right because it's it's a champagne they're they're doing it the same reason it's we just have the highest quality stuff on the planet
0: gotcha um so let's talk a little about you're gonna be at the uh, living free in Tennessee workshop in April with Nicole sauce you want to talk about what you're gonna yeah. be doing there and it's about time we start giving her some coverage on that here anyway
1: yeah, yeah, totally. I'm psyched. That's going to be April 23rd to the 25th down in Tennessee at Nicole's place. Um, she gave me the topic of grow. So I'm going to uh, teach you how to grow cannabis. Well, we'll say hemp since it's Tennessee. Uh, well, they just FYI, it's the same plant. It's the exact same plant. Um, if if it is capable of producing THC above 3,000, it happens to be called a cannabis plant. If it, if it isn't capable of growing at a below, above three one thousandths, it's a hemp plant. But as far as photoperiodism and starting it and light requirements, nutrient requirements, cloning, all that exactly the same. So I'm going to teach people how to basically grow their own. It's not magic. Um, and as each state kind of loosens up regs, there's no reason to be held hostage by dispensaries. Um, you know, they're still charging. Even though prices are ridiculously cheap compared to what they were in the 80s, there's no reason to be paying the state big-time money for cannabis when it it literally is a weed. With If you know a little bit about it and how it reacts and what it likes, you can grow great stuff for pretty much no effort at home.
0: How does this affect individuals, I mean, state by state, that would want to grow um, what is considered nationwide legal now but may not be legal in your state i mean i think texas has made it legal but it's not yet but it sort of is and texas has its own stupid issue that they've done where it's a good thing but it's the incompetence of government actually working for a change where the state basically said you can't put people in jail or cite people anymore for cbd possession But then they put no money in the budget to test whether the stuff they found was CBD or THC. And so, you know, a ticket for a small amount of marijuana in Tarrant County is a couple hundred bucks or less. costs five, six hundred bucks to test it. Because now you can't just test it to see is it cannabis. You have to test it to see its content. So the local jurisdictions are like, yeah, we're not spending five hundred bucks to issue a two hundred dollar fine. That the state takes one hundred and fifty dollars of, and we get fifty bucks. We're we're not doing that. State says you have to do it. Local government's like, no, we don't. So we get this whole mess. Like, is it going to be to the point soon where people can just grow their own, Uh, or is it going to be just this hodgepodge of fifty states of lunacy?
1: Yeah, I think for a while it's going to be fifty states of crazy. Um, You've got you've everywhere they have passed recreational gr- recreational cannabis has a home grow option except Washington State has none. That's why I say the state is the sole provider. Um so yeah, many states have home grow options and a plant in the ground is a plant in the ground. I mean geez, even even testing a real cannabis plant early when it's not in flower, you're not gonna be above three one thousandth THC so, you know, uh, until that last eight weeks when it's doing its magic, you could come test it all day long and it will test out no THC in it. So, yeah, it's – they've not – the, the, the bureaucracy is going to eat itself. There, there's no way to know, which will be great because now we're going to have tons more home grows. We'll have tons more stuff. Price will come down. And it's – There's been a bounce back out here too. Things got so crazy and so high THC, and I think that's also helping drive the CBD market. Um, You know, people just didn't want to be that high. They wanted the they wanted all the benefits that come with cannabis use, but without being paranoid and
0: you know just. Well, if they wanted to be high, they wanted to be 1985 high. Yeah, like that was enough. Like it was like for people that have never imbibed, you know, and I'm I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s. Like what we were doing back then was just kind of this low keyed, relaxed. I don't give a shit for the next half hour type thing. And I've actually had people now that are like, hey, I have some stuff I got. Do you want it? And Why? (laughs) Why? Well, it's too much for me. Then I don't want it. And no, I'm talking like yeah. some guys that I would call like professional users. <laughs> that are like, no, this is too much. And I think that's uh, that's interesting that a lot of places felt that they needed to limit the market. But in the end, the market said that's, that's not what this is about. And I think there is, you know, there is the person that will go do 20 Jaeger bombs, if you compare it yeah. to alcohol. But they don't do it every night. And once they do it, guess what? They don't do that crap again. They're like, do you want? No. Hey, you know, my my wife had a nasty experience many, many, many years ago with sour apple martinis. You, all you have to do is just hand her a green Jolly Rancher, and she damn near looks like she's going to throw up. So I think that like there is this limit, and unlike a lot of things out there, like if you drink too much alcohol, you die, you know, or heroin or something like that. Like if you get high enough on cannabis, eventually you're just going to go. I, I I don't really want to do this anymore. You're not going to. I don't know of anybody that's ever died from cannabis use, ever. I'm sure there is some way to do it, um, but not through uh, conventional use. There would have to be some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, some kind, of, some kind of laboratory process involved to cause it to happen, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there is one known death from cannabis. Um, its LD number, I think, is 0.0. But the uh, the new concentrates. If you did a lot of the the ninety percent concentrated THC and just had unlimited budget, you probably could do it. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, you can kill yourself with
0: point. aspirin too. If you, I mean, like you're talking about somebody <laughs> that just decides I'm going to kill myself. You can you can kill right. yourself with Tylenol. You know, <laughs> you can kill <laughs> yourself with a plant called foxglove or oleander. I mean, like. Like that's to me, like anybody that's still trying to fight it with that, it's like no. It, it, I'm sure you've seen the picture of the two the two naked people and the one guy blowing the tuba and the chick's ass, and that's what happens when you smoke the <laughs> yeah. cannabis. Like there are still people trying that uh, tactic. I just think it's finally, finally beginning to die. Moving on, some other stuff here. You're, you're, you've been yeah. uh, got something in your notes here called a quantified citizen. Man, what's that all about? That sounds kind of cool. Yeah,
1: it, uh, I'm always looking for new apps. Um, but I heard, uh, Paul Stamens, uh, he's pretty much the world renowned mycologist. Um, so he does a lot of, uh, mushroom projects. Um, and he got sick of hearing the whole, there's no, there's no evidence for psilocybin. You know, all the, the psychologists and psychiatrists used to use it a lot before it got scheduled, um, helping people with anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. Um, so basically, um, and he owns Host Defense, which is a mushroom company that makes a bunch of pills for like anti-cancer, anti-tumor stuff. Um, so, uh, he's a big advocate though for, for microdosing. So his whole deal was, uh, if the government's always going to say there's no studies, actually there is a study going on right now with a, uh, with a British uh, psilocybin compound. I believe they're running it down in Miami somewhere with the psychology team to actually document, you know, clinical use. Um, So anyway, this is a way to kind of get around that. He started a company up in Canada called quantified citizen. You can download the app for Apple right now. They're working on the Android one. Um, And what it is, it's going to be a huge database of willing participants um, that voluntarily do research studies anonymously. Hmm. So it's, it's got um, it's got basically you have to sign into your phone, right? So you got your password phone layer, then you got a password layer to get the app open. Um, all the data is is transmitted to their servers in Canada encrypted. So it keeps no data on your phone. So as you answer the questions, they're only you know the, the data is being stored on their servers in Canada. Um, so if you were to get pulled over and somebody searched your phone the next day, they couldn't see you or a participant in this study and see your answers to use
0: against you. Cloud um, services to the rescue, huh? Oh, it's great. So um, so wait so, a minute. So you're telling me that a whole bunch of people doing magic mushrooms can operate a database that compiles, collects information, but the DNC can't work one to collect votes in Iowa. That's yeah. That yeah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. That was that
1: was classic yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Amazon can do what, like, three hundred million payments a day, a day. every day, yeah. and not have maybe have like I don't know, say ten of them go bad, statistically insignificant, right? And if but you call Cassandra
0: in customer support, she'll fix it.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, in ten seconds. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. So, uh, so he started this, uh, research project. Um, so any research group that wants, uh, that wants to use the platform can use it. Um, and you were talking about gratitude on your show yesterday. Um, that's the first study that I completed on there. Um, you watch like, uh, you watch videos for, I think like three minutes a day for 14 days and you do a intake survey. And then three months later, I think I got to do it in March. Um, or six months later. I don't know. You just do what the app says, um, pull it up and then they'll run you through another survey in March. And then whoever that research group is that wants that data has all their data set, basically given to them, For I guess they're probably paying quantified citizen to use the platform. Um, so that's one of the studies up there right now. The other study up there is the microdosing study. So they're looking for a bunch of people and people that aren't microdosing, um, right? Cause they need a control group also and they need the number to be large enough to make it statistically significant. So just wanted to let people know that existed. And, uh, if you're tired of always hearing government say, you know, that's not safe. And by the way, we won't let you do the study to prove it's safe. We can just do it ourselves.
0: See, and that's, uh, that's when, when people talk about anarchy, I'm like, that's anarchy to me. That's proactive oh, yeah. anarchy. That's like we just, well, you can't do this. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Well, we're going to stop you. So we're going to do it in a way where you can't stop us.
1: Well, what was the quote? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Tesla guy, um, he basically said the other day, like, if you have a creative team that's working on a project and they are not microdosing, you already are at a competitive disadvantage because you're, you're. Wow opponents definitely are Hmm. well i mean all the apple guys it was the best quiet secret in the world that pretty much everybody working down there is microdosing pretty much every day i mean how do you sit in a cubicle for 10 hours a day working on code with a laser focus and care about
0: it and stay and stay creative
1: right and try to come up with something that hasn't been come up with before by the end of the day
0: So I, this next thing on your outline for today's discussion, dude, um, fits something I talked about yesterday. Um, I talked about quitting, right? Um, yep. I said, uh, and this is funny because I hadn't read your outline, and you know, just kind of lined up that way. Uh, synchronicity seems common around here, but I was talking about it was something with the kids. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I said if they want to quit, let them quit. And people were like, you know, you shouldn't quit. I'm like, I'm all for quitting things that make me miserable. Right. Like and maybe I'll fight through something if the goal is going to make me happy. But if I determine the entire path was the wrong path for me, I'm not going to not quit because of some ego that you have about what I should be doing. So what do you think is like the strategic uh, way to look at quitting stuff and embracing quitting is the way you described it?
1: Yeah. The, uh, uh, well, when I got out of school, was at 92. I mean, the big thing was back then, like, don't have a hole in your resume ever. Like make sure you're do, you know, go from one thing to the other thing. Don't, don't, you don't want to explain a hole. Um, still, uh, I was pretty much coached like two years is the minimum you could take a job ever. Like don't, don't, if you have a job less than two years, you're a job hopper, you're not going to get hired. So that, it was pretty much when I got out of school, I said, whatever happens at any job, I'm going to hang for two years. And it, it, within two years, you can pretty much master most things or, or get, you know, 90th percentile good at it. So I, I kind of wanted to do things deep enough, right? That you know, whether you like it or not, or is it just the pain of learning a new thing? And then once you, once you really understand what you're dealing with, if it's not driving you forward or getting you to a long-term goal or making you happy, geez, quit as fast as you can. (laughs) Uh, I've lasted about, I would go about two years at each of the corporate gigs and be competent enough to like hire and train and start growing departments. But at that point, if I didn't start doing something else, I started just, Oh my God, I just hated the tediousness of all that. of working for somebody else on somebody else's stuff. Um, so yeah uh give- give yourself long enough to know that you really know the thing that you're gonna quit and why you're gonna quit it um but yeah you know do do lots of things uh, but yeah when they're not when they're not working out for you anymore um move on i uh I did this thing with uh backyard products i was that guy you talk about that came and built your shed a few years ago and yeah. <laughs> Showed up in the afternoon and bingo bango shed was up. Yeah. Um, I just, I need to do something different. I have a, a s- summer, spring, fall job and I need to find something to do in the winter to keep myself busy. So that's what I decided to do last year to teach myself construction skills. Um, it's awesome. I know how to use all the air tools now. I know how to do roofing now, setting new windows, all kinds of, oh, you taught me a ton of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I mean, anybody's be, like, out there. for those who don't know what you're talking about, this guy, It was it's it's not a big shed. It's an eight-by-eight eight shed, but I had this install scheduled for, you know, one of the t- tough shed-type things, and it wasn't yeah. prefab where they drop it. Like, he had to build it from a kit, and it's like 3.30 in the afternoon, and the clown's still not here, and I'm like, this is – and I'm fuming because I stayed <laughs> home to make sure he could get in, and uh, he shows up, it's like quarter to four, and I'm like, you know, you're not going to get done today. He goes, oh, I'll be done today. So I figured he's going to work till midnight or something. At five o'clock, he's like, "Hey, you want to come out and sign off on this?" Yeah. What the hell? And it was and it was nothing. It was done right. It was uh, it was amazing. But if you do the same thing every day and you get good at it, you get really good at it. You know, he was set up to build two or three different sheds. He'd done it over and over and over again, and he knew exactly where everything went as it came out. And it's amazing how good people can get at things. On the quitting, I would also say like. Quitting is largely misunderstood. Like, so you quit working for a company that did coffee, but you didn't quit coffee, right? You strategically changed the way that coffee professionally interacts uh, with your life, right? You you quit working for a cannabis company, but you didn't quit playing in the cannabis space. Like, you learn something from all of these jobs, and when you quit. You take those things with you. What you quit doing is the part of it you don't like. And then it also makes me think, you know the old saying, you know, winners never quit well, and quitters never win. Well, quitters never win the thing they quit doing. That doesn't mean they don't win. Um, if you look at it, like, think of, like, some of the really great athletes out there that were capable of playing two sports. The ones that did the best were the ones when they finally got up to, like, the collegiate and professional level went, I'm a baseball player or I'm a football player. It might like Bo Jackson kind of just showed off and did a little of both, but there's a point where you pick the thing that you really want to do and you go at it 100% and that means that some other thing has to kind of go off to the side. Maybe it's not gone out of your life, but you're not dedicating significant time and resources to it anymore or you're trying to be the dual purpose chicken, right? The chicken yeah. that's an egg layer great at laying eggs. The chicken that's a meat producer, great at producing meat. The dual purpose chicken, meh. You know, and I think a lot of people need to figure out like what do you want your main thing to be? And that probably means you need to let some other things go.
1: Yeah, and some some things aren't compatible with other things. Um, I really needed a bunch more time and drive to get the whole farm up and going and get our hip camp and Airbnb stuff done. And uh, I was drinking way the hell too much a few years ago. So that's what I gave myself for my 48th birthday was sobriety. And uh holy crap, I've had more energy and just put the pedal down on doing stuff. The last two years, it's been insane. You know, when things aren't working to help you move forward, quit them and don't be afraid of what's around the corner. Because you know what's where you're at. If it's worse, go back to doing what you were doing. So
0: tell us a little more about this uh backyard shed building thing. That oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, shoot, if anybody around the country needs it, I mean, those things pay, you can make 250, 300 bucks a day. Um, and basically those all funnel back to the same company. If you buy from Lowe's or Home Depot or Costco, doesn't matter who you buy your shed from. You're all getting it from backyard products out of Michigan. They're going to send you the same guy to install you in the same shed. Um, the only difference is the spec from Costco is like two by six versus the spec from Lowe's is like two by three and, this, and Home Depot will go two by four. So
2: okay.
1: it's, uh, when you're looking on their website, apples to apples to apples, um, it's, it's going to be the same person, but it's, it's an easy, it takes like, you know, uh eh, Two weeks to learn how to do, probably two months to learn how to do well, and then boom, you can be making yeah, you make 80, 100 grand a year if you just go out and bang sheds out every day.
0: See, and there's just another thing that people can do, and I think that like that's not a job, that is a thing. If that makes sense, the way you know, it's not. It's not – you don't go fill out a job application because your brother knew a guy and then go to an interview and then take a no. test and then get hired <laughs> and up. then you have to show up at 8 a.m. every Monday morning and clock in. And even though you went to your workstation but you forgot to ring in the time clock, there's a guy on your ass telling you you're not getting paid for an hour for being five minutes late punching in. Or like there are these things that people can actually do that actually pay really well. And create a lot of freedom and autonomy, and that's one I never even thought of. I, I never had any idea that people could kind of, in, in essence, if you have the wherewithal, just go do it.
1: Yeah, I mean the requirement is uh, the three nail guns because they use standardized nails. Um, so you need an air compressor, three nail guns, and uh, oh gosh, T square and a hammer, and you know uh, a roofing nailer. So uh, about $1,000 worth of gear, 500 if you go to the pawn shop, and uh, you can be in business in that. And They're in, gosh, like every major market in the U.S.
2: Hmm.
0: And again, it's what's a, it called it's a, if like, somebody wants to look into this? Uh, look up Backyard Products. Backyard Products, okay.
1: Yep, yep, and that's your source for that. And uh, then our, our hip camp we've been working on, um, so we bought that land a few years ago been working on clearing out the blackberries like crazy and uh putting in little fire pits and camping areas and little uh oh we just got a bathroom built out there and a little kitchen kitchen place started so that uh that's another one if you've got extra land and you don't mind people camping on it hip camp is basically the airbnb for campers okay um so that's a nice little side income deal and then uh, we converted our garage into an airbnb room out here and uh that's been it's been well washington passed or our little city passed a renter's rights law um so basically on top of all the landlord crap um now you can't ask a tenant to leave you have to have cause <laughs> okay so yeah they made they made renting to people as onerous as having an employee on a job now out here so it just like the term of your lease is up. I don't like the cut of your jib. We're just gonna call this a day. No, now you have to actually give them a reason why you're ending the lease, and it has to be one of the approved reasons by wow. the state. Oh my. So if, does uh, that apply yeah. to something
0: like an Airbnb though?
1: No. Okay. An Airbnb right. is. A, so yeah, I had a renter out here. Um, we had converted that room over, and we were gonna just rent it. So we had a renter who. We only had, uh, we only had two, well, (laughs) no, no pills, uh, no smoking in the house, cigarettes and, uh, and no cops on the property. (laughs)
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Within two months, he broke all three of them. So he, he had to go. Um, so since he was former army, you can't, uh, evict a vet without having their discharge paperwork. Showing, the I don't know what it was. Holy shit! It was going to be a, it was going to be a day trying to get him out, and he was, he was on pills and smoking in the house. Um, and the, he did something one day, and the cops had to come and have a chit chat with him. And, uh, and the big burly cop said, "You know, if this was an Airbnb, I would physically take his ass and throw him into the street for you, because he would be trespassing. But since you've rented him the room, you now have to go through." all the dance to get him out. legally. Oh. so, uh, yeah, that cost us a couple months of rent and it was, you know, so, uh, I got to be really good with real estate while I'm out here. Um, uh, but yeah, so after, after he said that and it, the bell went off, if he was, if he was an Airbnb guest, he would be breaking a rule and you would immediately remove him from my property. And I would keep the And I would keep the rent. <laughs> so that, uh, that that changed the game. Um, and the Airbnb people we've had over the last year have been really fun. Um, people from South America, we met a, a gal and a guy that had gotten married. They met on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, he was going one way and she was going the other, and then they started going the same way, and they ended up coming back uh, for summer solstice to finish the couple of ten miles that they hadn't done together. So just meeting really cool people.
0: So, what's up with, uh, trade show Sherpas, man? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: So that's my latest gig. Um, so I say qu- quit stuff, but to quit stuff, you got to start stuff too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I really loved about my corporate life was doing trade shows. And, and towards the end of that, I was doing about 20 trade shows a year. Um, covering a couple different uh, i was doing convenience stores i was doing the restaurant shows and i was doing all the hotel shows um so i got really good at doing trade shows i mean it's the crazy amount like you need a garbage can for your booth the trade show people sell you those for three days for a hundred dollars right or you could just go down to lowe's and get one for 10 bucks um so there's a lot of things when Companies start getting a little bit bigger and okay, now, now like we've got a product, we've got capacity, holy smoke. Now we need to move this stuff. Let's do a trade show. Um, and if it's your first trade show, you are just going to get raped by everybody. (laughs) The trade, it's, it's so expensive. I mean, just where to park, where to stay, where to go. So the trade show Sherpa. So what I'm going to do is take my 20 years experience of doing corporate trade shows and rent myself out to uh, either, like, larger sales teams that need. I'm, I'm going to do a gig for uh, uh, Old Wisconsin Carl Budding in March because their guys are stretched too thin, and they have too many shows the same weekend, so I'm going to do a fill-in show for those guys. Um, somebody else just had, like, an employee not want to go up to do a Canada show, so I'm going to do a, a organic trade show for a food manufacturer, So. Um, Basically, I'm a I'm a trade show expert for hire. Um, the gig is you get me for 16 hours a day. So if you want me to swing by the airport, pick up your vice presidents, drop them off at the booth, schedule dinner at the coolest restaurant in town for you, pick up your clients, pick up you. You don't want to deal with Ubers and Lyfts. You want to leave your briefcases in the car. Or whatever you got, you got a wingman. Um, you got somebody who can basically tell the buyers from the liars and get them off the center carpet and get them into your booth. Uh, I can help you with how to set up your booth, how to make your booth inviting. You know, I figure if you can give me a 20 minute rundown on what you make, who your client is, who your really good customer you're looking for is, you know, I can tell you different ways to set up your booth to get people to either stop, pick up literature, continue on by, come in and engage in the conversation. Um, you know, and having somebody, having another salesperson that knows the game, that can basically get them off the center aisle into the booth and tie them up for five minutes while you finish a conversation with a big hitter, and just kind of get your guys in line. That's that's what I'm awesome at. So I uh, I added that to the website, so I'm available for booking.
0: You know, I think it's really cool that you you, you take. This background that you have, and there's all these little pieces and parts of it that have different value adds, and basically you hustle that in the way that <laughs> makes you the happiest at the current moment. Right. And there's yeah, so that's... much that can be learned from that. Right. Like everybody has shit they can do that with, and every time you do something, you'll pick up more skill set that you can add to that. Kind of, you know, it really. So you, you, you know, trade shows and stuff like that, and distributors. So you would know the term line card. Yep. And it's like having kind of a, an individual line card of things that you can do for people or things you can provide for people.
1: Yeah, that's – and basically, you know, and I got the most satisfaction out of really working a show. And I hated going back to the office with the 200 follow-ups of, you know, send me a case of this. I need a – what are the specs on that? Send me the PDF. You know, I'm going to help – I'm going to help generate the leads, get the data, get the people, get the customers lined up, and then hand it off to whoever's company it is or sales team it is, and all that follow-up office stuff is now on them.
2: So as we, so, as yeah. we, as
0: we kind of wrap up here, Brian, unless, I mean, don't let me cut you off. There's more you want to say. Go ahead. But I was going to want to make no, sure no. people you know, know what you do for us as an MSB vendor and what you have available that way.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Uh, it, it go into the MSB, uh, area and you'll find the discount code. Um, there's, uh, 10% off all of our products all the time. And then I give a bonus bag of coffee, um, on the coffee products. And I was thinking for all the CBD products, I'm going to do the same thing. I'll give a, if you order candy, I'll send you free cookies or if you order cookies, I'll send you some free candy. So you'll get the discount plus you'll get a bonus of whatever I can fit in the box. I think all the boxes I've sent to you and Dorothy have had some type of bonus in them, and that's not just because it's you and Dorothy.
0: Gotcha, man. I, I really appreciate that. And, again, the, the, the company itself is uh, foodforestfarms.com. Brian, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. I, I, I hope what people will take away from our discussion today is how much is actually possible and the fact that you don't know what you don't know. Right, So like something that people learn today that they probably didn't know is you can basically be in businesses installing backyard sheds tomorrow morning if you really want to. So yeah. the lesson of that isn't really go install backyard sheds unless you're like, you know what, <laughs> I think I would enjoy doing that. The lesson of that is what the hell else is there that you could be doing for yourself instead of doing for somebody else? Because, you know, jobs – Everybody says jobs suck. Jobs have upsides and downsides. Having somebody take care of half of year's social security for you, cover your workman's comp, provide two weeks of vacation a year, etc. Like there is some upside to it, but there's a point where if you've sucked all you can out of the job world and you want more, you either have to go take it or you're not going to get it. You know, and there's so many people I hear whining all the time about how unhappy they are, and I'm like you do know that there are people all around the world and this isn't some weird false patriotism I'm spewing this is fact that like would give literally give their eye teeth pulled out with a pair of needle nose pliers with no novocaine for the opportunity you bitch about every day like there are people that would would give they would cut my we have to cut your two little fingers off and they'd put their hand out and go all right get on with it let's go but i get to, it's i get to go right i get to stay there you can't throw me back out yeah okay cut them off and we just don't seem to see it, and it makes me think back to a story, and this is a guy I kind of loved and hated at the same time, but he was a really good speaker, Zig Ziglar. And he told this story about this little girl that got on an airplane one time, that he was sitting in first class, you know, this little girl gets on the airplane, and she looks down the row of the airplane, and she turns around, and she looks in the, the, the cockpit, and she sees all the, you know, the gauges and gadgets and the pilots, and she goes, gosh... And he's like, when immigrants come to America, that's what they see. You're sitting in the same place and you don't see what's available. Now, that that uh, you know is one of those things. I must have heard that 30 years ago, and it's as true today as it was back then. And that's kind of what we're talking about today with all these different angles of looking at it.
1: Yeah, the future's changing super fast. I mean, it, it uh, when we bought that farm property. I tried to tell the realtor that I was putting a drone deck on it because the really fancy restaurants downtown Olympia by the Capitol were only three miles away as a crow flies or as a drone flies, but an hour and a half drive. So she blew her mind. She like couldn't (laughs) still an Uber has paid bought and paid for the rights to deliver humans to the 2028 Olympics in L.A. by drone. So it's not a. (laughs) <laughs> when the thing's going to happen, it's a done deal. So, yeah, get, you know, gotta look forward. This stuff's coming at you really fast at this point.
0: And it means opportunity. Like, there's so many things that a person who, like, if you, you know, you're twenty, some, young twenty something, trying to figure out what to do with your life. And there's so many opportunities that you can just try. That not only couldn't I have tried when I was your age, they didn't exist. The reason I couldn't try them, they weren't there. You know, you could you could be in business tomorrow walking people's dogs with Rover dot com. You, you, you know, you you could end up setting yourself up to be one of the contractors on tackle, right? Yeah. And that's that's another two random examples right there that that are available. And I've actually had people when you tell them that, do you know you have to get a background check? Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything in your? Well, no, you got to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you ha- you actually put skin in the game to have an opportunity to cheer, Robert. Yeah. Like, okay, so you're telling me, like, you don't have, like, a felony or something. Like, you just don't want to pay the 29 bucks for the background check or whatever. Yeah, man, that's not right. I can't, I can't, kitten, I can't I, help you. I can't. I just...
1: Old, the, I, I can't Prius take you seriously. Be, now my old car got to be uh, nine years old, so I couldn't do Uber or Lyft anymore. Okay. So... I looked, and uh, Grubhub and uh, DoorDash, don't give a shit how old your car is. So,
0: because your transport was on you. They don't care.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. So two months ago, I started doing that just for a little, like, let's see how this goes. And it's solid 25 bucks an hour. And, uh, man, nobody pukes in your car. You can have the radio <laughs> up as loud as you want. Um, you can drive a little crazy because you're not getting rated on how smooth your turns are. Um, but holy smoke it, uh, yeah, I've been pulling in about buck 50 a day, just letting the thing ping in the background and, and, um, yeah, if anybody's going to do that, be super picky, don't take the three, $4 runs for 20 miles, just no. keep rejecting or just yeah. say no, no, no. And when one that's like, okay, this restaurant's four blocks from my house and I got to drive it three miles and they're going to pay $20. Yes. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah,
1: yeah, having shit going in the background while you're doing other stuff is kind of fun.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, the other one that's kind of like that that I talked to a guy the other day, and he's doing really well with, and he only works Sundays, is the Amazon service. Oh, yeah, I do flex occasionally. Yeah, he does that. He's like, I only do Sundays because nobody really wants to. And, nope, yeah. you know, Sundays there's, there's no more. delivery other than us. And, you know, they've kind of strong armed the post office into doing some of their deliveries on Sundays. So there's always lots to deliver. And yeah. I, do, I work Monday to Friday. So I, I'm doing this as a side thing. And I go out and I work six hours on Sunday and I make almost as much money as I do at work.
1: And people are super happy to get their packages.
0: Yeah. He's like, no one ever yeah. doesn't want to see me. Yeah, yeah, everybody's really always true. happy. Oh, I'm getting my shit on Sunday. Wow, that's great. So, I mean, and, and you know, pe- people will beat up on Amazon and say, you know, they suck, Jeff Bezos doesn't pay enough tax or whatever. I don't give a flying crap about any of that stuff. I'm talking about the opportunity that's there for you who says, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't make my student loan payments or whatever. Like, no. go out and do something or, you know, I want to buy a piece of land. Well, how much money do you need? Oh, well, I need 25000 down. How much you got? None. Man, you know, oh, I got a job. I just barely cover my bills. Okay, well, then go do one of these things save all your money for a year or two, and then you can go get your piece of land and then you can make money with that. But
1: on the, on the piece of land, we, uh, it took us, took us literally 52 weeks of driving every weekend. We went and looked at land and, uh, I said, before we got it, we were going to have somebody finance it for us. Hmm. And, uh, sure enough, we found old couple, three parcels behind on their taxes, had enough cash to pay for one of them, just cash. Yeah. And, uh, that, that, solve a that solved their problem. That right.
0: solved their problem with the back taxes and all. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then I even said, Hey, you can go ahead and give us a one point interest over the bank. I would much rather pay you as a nice old couple than, uh, than deal with any bank. And, uh, sure enough. Yeah. I think we got seven years left on that, but I put a renter on the land as soon as I got it. So he's basically paid my mortgage for me.
0: That's that's just why there's more millionaires made with real estate than any other thing in the planet. That's why. And that's yep. by the way. That's another reason that guy, you know, I'm talking about from say what nail or whatever, would have his little finger cut off to come here, because you can actually yeah. own property here and you can actually earn income off property you own. Like that's yeah. an incredible just, advantage still in America. That, I'm not saying you can't do it in other countries, but it's nowhere near as easy. In, in a lot of in no. some countries you can't, especially if you're an American. Like. You can do it in Mexico, but you can't own land in Mexico if you're an American. You basically have a 99 year lease on land in in Mexico. It's, there's so much opportunity and I'm, I'm just glad to hear you making the most of it, dude. And, uh, trying out these new plans like the Airbnb experiences and stuff like that. I think there's, I think that's something people could put something together with, even if they don't really think they have anything. Like if you really look around at your, at your city and just say, what's here that people don't understand? You know, did oh, yeah, I do? Yeah, Airbnb
1: experiences are great. Yeah, what do you like to do? Just offer to take somebody with you. <laughs> There's yeah. kayak trips on ours. There's Mount Rainier climbing. I do. I actually give the same uh, PowerPoint class that I used to give to the uh, restaurant chains when I would go make my first call on them. It's a coffee seed to cup presentation that I do on PowerPoint, and then I take people out, teach them how to roast. Then we come back in and we, I teach them how to do professional cupping. So yeah, that's my Airbnb experience that's on there right now is, uh, Brian spills the beans at coffee 101. And uh, the people that have gone through the class are really, they're, they're blown away with it. And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) just an old PowerPoint deck, but But you know, people love learning new stuff.
0: Change the slider too, make it fit your audience and rock on. That was an old role in sales, man. So, hey, Brian, yeah. again, thanks for being with us today. Again, folks, the, uh, the website is Food Forest Farms. They are an MSB supporter with a really great discount program. And I'm sure Brian will keep an eye on things on the blog. If you have any questions or thoughts, uh, want to know more, just reach out. Brian's the kind of guy that will always be happy to answer him. And, and thanks for being with us totally. today, man. Thanks, Jack. All right, man, that'll work. That was fun. Awesome.
1: Yeah, that was great. Are you going to get down to Nicole's? Uh, I, no.
0: <laughs> no. No. It, it's yeah, not no. the right time of year for me. It really isn't, you know. No, it's a horrible
1: time. As soon as I committed to that, I screwed myself on ah, three other things.
0: Yeah, I'm going to Belton next weekend and okay. for Mother Earth News, and that's just a weekend, and it's two hours away, and I'm like, what have I done? What have oh, I that's done? What I was,
2: I, <laughs>
1: I was going to ask you on the uh, on going to uh, Liberty Fest up in uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, do they have, like, a, is that something I could, like, send myself in, like 20 cases of CBD products and set up a table? Because uh, I'm trying to make my things kind of self-fund as I go. I,
0: I can't see why you wouldn't. Um, do you have a contact there? Do you want me to, like, link you up with somebody? Um, I can tie you, like, yeah. random with the event organizers, and, and, and y'all take it from there. Yeah, yeah. If you just
1: send me a contact name, I'll uh, I'll, I'll give them a. Buzz. What I'll do. I'll email.
0: I'll email my contacts for it, and I'll CC you and say, "Hey, y'all, talk about this," and that way it's a cool. I know the link's made, and I'm out because I. <laughs> yeah. Once you I make, make a link, bye bye. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, then maybe I'll see you up there.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be there. We're we're basically going to be there almost the whole time. I think we're getting there the second day, and we're staying through to the end because they're covering our lodgings for being there. And it's basically nice. a vacation, and I'll do a couple presentations. And then we're making it our big summer vacation. So we're taking, like, ten more days, and we're going up to Maine. Uh, we're going up that to uh, Acadia, and then we're going to spend, like, uh, four or five days in Portland.
1: Yeah, when I was at North Allegheny High, that was my one summer trip. We took a road trip to Maine to go get lobster. <laughs> <laughs> Sixteen-year-olds in a car just ripping down. Oh my god! Oh. What the parents never knew will hurt them.
0: All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it. I'll have this up in uh, Thanks, probably sir. about an hour.
1: Oh, awesome, awesome. I'll uh, I'll link it in the website as soon as I as soon as it goes up. All right, man. Take care. Bye.
0: Bye. So great interview with a really cool guy. And kind of one thing I want to point out about Brian. Yeah, he sells coffee. Yeah, he's a discount supporter. But if you listen to his interviews. With us, this one and the past ones, Um, we might talk about that for five minutes out of an hour. And it's almost always inevitable that I kind of lead him there to make sure that he gets a little pop of exposure while he's here. He came on today to tell you what was going on in the cannabis market because he knows a lot of you guys are interested in it. He came on to talk about his appearance at uh, uh, Nicole's Workshop coming up on April 23rd through 25th in, in Tennessee because he wants you to know about that for her uh, more than for himself. Uh, he talked about programs that are enabling proactive anarchy because he thinks you might be interested in that. He talked about embracing things that aren't working for you anymore and how to strategically quit so you can build a better life for yourself. He talked about opportunities like backyard products and hip camp and Airbnb and Airbnb experience. And uh, the thing he's doing is a trade show. Sure, but I don't think he's expecting he's going to pick up a bunch of business. Uh, from y'all he's just trying to uh, clue you guys in on the fact that there's just so much opportunity out there in other words brian's the kind of guy he reaches out to me every once in a while says i want to come on the air and talk to people so that they realize what they can do in their own life it's a service mentality and i know the guy personally i've met him personally and i can tell you that's who he is he's a very service oriented individual and This was a great interview. If you don't feel that you really got out a lot of this, a lot out of this one, you need to go back and listen to it again. I'm just saying because there's so much in there. Because one of the things I've always loved about people like Brian that come on and talk about this variety of subjects is it takes five seconds for one person in this audience to hear one thing and and say those magic words that have happened so many times over the years on this show. Somebody's listening and they go, I can do that. That's all it takes. It changes a life. One switch that makes you realize, I can do that. Sometimes the thing itself blows up. I mean, if you look at John Dowie and Dowie Farms, he listened to Luke Callahan on here with microgreens and said, I can do that. He's been running a business for five years because he's had a I can do that moment of the one thing. But most of the people that I meet from this audience... If they had an I can do that moment with something like that, it led them to another thing that led them to another thing that led them to another thing that eventually led them to finding what they're really looking for. So if you didn't have an I can do that moment on this one, it might be worth listening again. I'm just saying. With that, we have wrapped things up. If you enjoy this show and the work that we do here and you want to help support us, one way you can do that is to do your online shopping at tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. What I brought back for you guys today, brought it around about a month ago, And a ton of you guys have bought these. This is one of the best-selling items all time I have ever brought to this audience, the Barina Grow Lights. Barina is B-A-R-R-I-N-A, Barina Grow Lights. Um, They come in six packs, but now they've added four packs if you just need less lights. I've included them in the write-up because maybe you just don't need six lights. I would almost always say if you look at the pricing, it's worth buying the six-light set. Um, the difference for the four foot lights between four and six lights is ten bucks just assume one light's ten dollars and the other one you get free I mean that's the way to look at that These are the best grow lights for the money I have ever touched I'm not saying there's not better grow lights I'm saying there's not better grow lights unless you're starting to pay like 50 to sixty dollars a light versus about five ten dollars a light depending on what you're buying I mean, really, for the price, these things are amazing. And I've had amazing results with them with my indoor little vertical farm and with my Kratky seed starting system. I have never seen anything at this price point that makes plants grow the way these things do. If you're looking to set up a seed starting station, if you're looking to start doing some indoor growing, you want to check these things out. Again, they're made by a company called Barina, B-A-R-R-I-N-A. I've started working with them back in December. I am totally 100% sold. I will tell you that the Kingbow lights I used to recommend were like the third or fourth all-time best-selling thing I've ever recommended. I think the Barinas are going to blow them away because they're a better deal. They're just a better deal all around. They work better, they look better, they function better, and they cost less per watt. I'm talking on the 24-watt lights. You can get them for $0.45 a watt. And on the four-foot lights, you can get down to $0.39 cents a watt for high-quality, high-intensity LED grow lights. My plants with these things grow beautifully. They grow thick and stocky, not long and leggy. I mean, that that tells you everything you need to know about the quality of a grow light. Check them out today. And remember, you can always support the work that I do, no matter what you buy, if you start your online shopping at tspaz.com. That brings us to our song of the day. As We're doing Queen Week this week. And this song is one of the last songs released by Queen. It was actually first released individually by, by Brian May. It didn't make the cut to one of the Queen albums. And then in, I, think, I think it was the final album that Queen released with Freddie Mercury. They released this song with Freddie singing vocals. And it's called Too Much Love Will Kill You. And it might be one of the most passionate-sounding, beautiful songs you will ever hear. And with incredible vocals that you would expect. Um, the music, as it starts out, has a quality that, as you start to hear the music, it sounds very much like something you would expect in an 80's movie for like a ballad in a love story or something. But the song becomes very quickly so much more than that. The, the point of the song is, is, is kind of really subject to interpretation, but to me, what I get out of it is when you love somebody, you become vulnerable. And the more you love somebody, the more more vulnerable you become. And so taking that step is always a risk, whether it's romantic love, which is what the song feels like it's about. But even friendship, when we become close friends with somebody, we give them the ability to hurt us. Uh, One of my contacts on Facebook, who's going through some stuff right now, she posted something the other day that said something like, even friends can hurt us. People forget that even friends can hurt you or double-cross you or whatever. My response was, only friends can hurt you and double-cross you. Only someone that you trust can do that. There's no way a person that I don't know that I haven't made any kind of agreement with can hurt my feelings. I don't give a shit. You can send me an email that tells me I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I don't know what I'm doing, whatever. I get them all the time. I don't care. The only people that can hurt us are the people we open ourselves to. And the more we open ourselves, the more painful the situation can become. To me, though, we don't really have much of a choice. We don't really have much of a choice. And if you listen for it, you'll hear the line that indicates that. Uh, as well in this song that we really don't have much of a choice because the alternative is to have no one and that'll kill you too with that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast
2: I've been facing this alone For much too long Oh I feel like no one Ever told the truth to me About growing up And what a struggle it could be In my tangled state of mind I've been looking back to find where I would draw shadow of the man I used to be and it seems like there's no way out of this form I used to bring you sunshine now all I ever do is bring you down Everywhere.